Hey there, everybody. Welcome back. We've got another episode of Lifestyle Medicine. Today we have Iska, Iska Benstock. <laughs> correct? Yes, correct. I'm, I'm still getting used to your uh, your name switch. So <laughs> yeah, I've, I've said it twice a couple times now. Um, so Iska, give me give me a little bit of a background just for the people listening. So we've obviously talked on the phone and we've connected in the past, but give me just the background on what you're doing, where you've been, how you got into healing work. And then from there, we can kind of unwind the ball. Oof, just those little things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. yeah. just those um, <laughs> The reasons for your life purpose. Yeah. Um, so I work a lot with people who are wanting to explore consciousness on an in-depth level. And to, oops, to do so, um, I work with the consciousness, so I've studied a lot of subconscious healing work before. I've spent a lot of time, like my initial introduction to healing work was through hypnosis and hypnotherapy, and that was when I was 18. Um, and I didn't, I was never planning on being a hypnotherapist. I was never planning on being a healer. I wanted to go to art school and do graphic design and do fashion design, and I actually had my own clothing line at that point. Um, and my life essentially exploded. It was definitely one of those experiences that I think a lot of healers and people on yep. intensive spiritual paths share, right? Or it's For like sure. I fell in love and my heart was blasted open and then everything completely fell apart around me. So my self-image, the way I related to the entire world around me, my reputation, pretty much everything I had rested on up until that point crumbled and at the same time I started getting extremely energetically sensitive mm -hmm. and I didn't know what that meant nor did I have context for what was happening um, but a lot of it was like in the turbulence of that so much wisdom and knowing of why it was happening even though I had no context and didn't know what was going on would come to the surface so just you know levels of like soul knowing of things happening for a reason or a purpose even though I couldn't understand them and I got given a book on soul regression hypnotherapy. And I, at that point, wow. didn't believe in past lives or anything like that. Um, I pretty was pretty sure that non-physical energies existed. But there was still like a level of, I don't really know. And I decided to go to hypnotherapy school really randomly. Um, my parents didn't have money for art school. And I'd never received a hypnotherapy session before in my life. And... I just dove in and I, it was my first introduction to exploring the consciousness and the fact that, you know, as someone who um, had been sent to therapy quite a bit when I was a kid and, you know, went through a lot of self-abusive behavior and depression and like not being understood essentially and not understanding myself, knowing that, oh, okay, it's not just, I knew talk therapy didn't work, but the fact that we have an entire massively advanced technology inside of us called our consciousness that we can go into and manipulate, open, um, create new pathways in. It really inspired me at a young age and that's how I started learning about consciousness. And so I did that for a while and then I studied theta healing and lived with my teachers and ended up teaching theta healing and that all works with reprogramming subconscious belief systems and that yeah. also... Can I just interject with a question yeah. there just for the theta healing? Because when you had mentioned that uh, a few years ago when I met you, you had talked about theta healing. I was totally green on the topic, know nothing about mm. it, still pretty much don't know much about it. 
And I'm sure there's mm-hmm. a lot of people that are listening that probably don't either. So can you just yeah. give a little segue into like what, what that is and how that worked a little bit? Because I know it was pivotal yeah. to your work. Yeah, yeah, it was quite pivotal. Um, and really like had been up until not like a couple years ago, really. Um, so Theta Healing essentially is it's a modality that a woman named Diana Stiebel brought through and she had apparently healed herself of cancer with it. And so it's a form of the way that they describe it is it combines metaphysics, quantum physics and faith healing mm-hmm. into like a, a way to reprogram the subconscious mind through the Theta brainwave state. And so the premise with hypnotherapy, with the kind of work that I do right now called IST, with um, theta healing, with anything where you're going underneath the conscious mind and the level of the mind that we kind of sit in most of the time, um, the theta wave is the wave. It's like the doorway to mm, getting under the hood, basically, of the consciousness. And so with that, um, you use a series of techniques to question and kind of dig into people's belief systems, which, which taught me a lot because with belief systems, it's like we actually are speaking the programming that we perceive reality as all the time. Mm-hmm. And so if you start to talk to people, you start to recognize like, ah, oh, okay, like that's how you're framing your reality. That's how you're framing your story. And Theta takes that premise and then has a way of bringing someone into a theta state and reprogramming them through an energetic technique where essentially what they say is they take out a belief system and then imprint a new belief system. So there's a metaphysical component to it, which for me was fascinating because it started working. And I tend to be one of those people where like, I'm so into esoteric, occult metaphysics, but I am also on the space of, in the space of like, I'm skeptical and I want direct experience. I'm not just going to read a book about it and be like, cool, this exists. You know, yeah, I have like yeah. this thirst for like, mm, I want, I want to know the truth. Yeah. So, I hear you. Well, yeah. and so when you were working with people and you were doing the theta healing sessions for people, mm-hmm. when, what did you see in terms of people's experience? Like what do people, yeah, like what kind of happens, you know, like say if someone has a quote unquote, like successful session is mm-hmm. it just a function of them having a better relationship with, yeah, if you unwind those belief systems, are they just operating more optimally in life and relationships and that kind of thing? Yeah, when it was successful um, with myself and with others, it's the way that I described it was, yeah, there was more more optimal just overall life experience, experience mm-hmm. of real, relationship to your life, to, to reality and my personal experience and other students that I had really resonated with this is when you're processing something all the time in your consciousness, it's really loud and noisy, right? You can imagine like like if you have a really annoying fan on and it's just going and going and going and then all of a sudden someone turns the fan off. It's not like your entire room changes. It's this little thing that was actually creating a ton of, of dissonance is gone, and so it's like something kind of can breathe more with the flow of reality as it is. Yeah. Um, so that was one way of looking at it. Another way is just it's kind of like you you're you don't even realize that you're not processing the thing until way later on when you're it's almost like looking in a rearview mirror going, Oh yeah, I used to process that all the time. 
but yeah. you just don't notice because it's no longer infringing on the way that you directly connect with reality. And that's, I mean, of all the work that I do, like that is, that is the underlying theme that I've constantly been studying is how mm-hmm. do we have direct connection with reality versus this kind of obscured way of interfacing with reality where we're kind of blocked off or in our own secluded bubble yeah. from connection to reality as it is. Mm-hmm. What a lot of people from what I've just, you know, over the years in, in my healing work, people that I talk to, there's lots of different ways to access it. But I feel like when we start getting, as you said, under the hood, right, when we kind of get yeah. <laughs> into the <laughs> the subconscious programming, belief systems, I mean, it's a pretty sticky terrain, too, because people a lot of times, right, we're all kind of living life, going through our emotions, doing our thing, sort of on mm-hmm. autopilot for the most part. We're just, yeah, you know, and, and, totally. I, and I think people... Yeah, either just don't know or they just haven't been exposed and they haven't or maybe aren't even aware of the idea that there's so much of (laughs) how we live our lives and the habits we have and the proclivities and the the tendencies that we go towards are just all of that stuff, right? The stuff that's just running underneath and people get stuck into these patterns and situations in life where they're like, why does the same thing keep happening? Why do I keep, you know, attracting the same person, the same partner, the same business situation? And I think sometimes when people get that that eye opener through work that you're doing, or um, you know, they it could be a diff- bunch of different things. But once they get that door yeah. open through that a modality, people are like, "Oh my god, there's like a whole new bandwidth <laughs> of life that I can play with," and that's pretty exciting yeah. for, for a lot of people because <laughs> they're like, whole new I, "Yeah, totally." Yeah, <laughs> they just weren't hit yeah, to definitely. it. You know, they just didn't didn't know. Um, separate you know but when I was in school I I tinkered with the idea of being a psychology major for a bit Mm -hmm. I ended up becoming an art major didn't do it um but I remember just getting into Jungian psychology and reading about you know the collective unconscious and um the shadow you know that Jung was just huge into these these impulses and the things that we Mm -hmm. carry that are quote-unquote dark but that are a part of us have to be integrated and they will you know run amok essentially if you're not if you're not careful and, totally. and, and you don't pay attention to, to life and your rhythms, it's pretty fascinating stuff. All that stuff is, um, I love hearing about that kind of stuff because it's real people have, yeah. and we all have to navigate it whether we know it or not. And I think, um, you know, it can be problematic or very wonderful depending on mm-hmm. how you go about it. And if you find a good practitioner, you know, someone who, yeah. you, who you trust and who you vibe with. So you had said that, um, you know, when we talked yesterday and then, and then you've said now, that up till a couple of years ago, that was sort of the direction that you were, you were still in and you were seeing a lot of people mm-hmm. and then you've shifted gears a little bit now and you're not yeah. as focused on that. So tell, talk to me about that. What's, what's happening now? What's yeah. different? <laughs> <laughs> so many things are different. Um, I think that there was, it was a collection of things that changed. Uh, one of them was that with the way that she, and this is not me trying to talk bad about the Theta Healing community or anything like sure. that. I just wanted a deeper level of education and wanted a deeper level of training. And whenever you're using a, any, and I didn't know this until a couple of years ago, but anytime you're using a level of ener- an energetic technique and you're using it over and over again, it's, it's a muscle and there's ways to do energy work and there's ways to get into people's unconscious that are healthy and then there's ways where you can pull it's almost like you can pull a muscle you can deplete yourself mm. from using your energy over and over again to do healings on people 
And I couldn't first. So one of the things was I could not find someone that could specifically tell me what specific, like scientifically almost like what I'm doing with my body of energy when I was working on people. Mm. So that was one thing because I had so many clients and I was teaching classes quite a bit that, um, I could tell somewhere I was pulling on my vital energy and I could also, I had premonitions, you know, you look at some people that do a lot of channeling and energy work like far down the road and they, a lot of them look really beat up. And I personally think it's because there's this essential energy that you're not supposed to use in your healing work. That's for you as the the being that's doing that. And I didn't want to hurt myself. So that was the first thing, which led me to recognizing it's it's quite it's like to actually have someone tell you this is specifically what you're doing with your energy takes a very precise form of vision. And most of the time you get into metaphysical work and things are very vague like people just give you kind of vague broad answers of what might be going on and none of that really helps me and again like as a seeker that wants truth like I don't like vague (laughs) I want like specific precise exact experience um and yeah so my experience with the theta healing work is it, it it can get you to a certain level but I think maybe because her mission was not to move it past what she did like she she unpacked the basics of belief work she unpacked the basics of like touching trauma like where traumas start Mm -hmm. um and that was it and then she's spreading it worldwide through hay house and all of this yep but i i like i said i wanted more training um so there was a mixture of things happening there and then also it was like you know it, it was through I also did a ton of work with um, entheogenic plant medicines from mm-hmm. South America um, and and using theta while doing that. So, like, I was like, how do I get to the source of the source of the source? Like, the right. core places where this stuff is stemming from, at, like, the basis of, you know, whatever, my DNA, my cellular structure, what wherever these things come from at their core, which are different depending on what you're looking at. Yeah. Um, I mean, in all tend to come back to the fact that there's just this wound of human separation and it plays out through us in different ways. Um, And so I was just, I was thirsty, you know, and I couldn't find, there were certain things where like things would get better, but there were certain things that I still didn't have answers for. Mm -hmm. And so it was around that time where I knew that I needed to learn more about subtle energies, how to see them, how to work with them and I knew there was something else and um I had a really interesting experience where for a week straight I had dreams that I was in Maui and I was in the dreams I was saying oh it's so good that I followed those dreams and went to Maui that was really smart of me to follow those dreams and go to Maui and then I'd wake like five days in a row that happened so it wasn't like let's decode this it was like okay yeah heard I'll get my butt to Maui when I can. Yeah. And I met someone there who actually found me and they showed me my energetic healing school. Ah, oh, very cool. <laughs> so, which segued into this, an incredible form of uh, trauma healing work and consciousness exploration work there called IST, which stands for inner space technique. And it has gotten me to places and to the core of things like nothing else I've studied have has and that's that's coming from like nine years of just 
searching and finding and like hardcore studying, right. working with thousands of people, like a lot of work. So yeah, I'm, I'm impressed wow. with it. Yeah, to say the least. I always find that kind of stuff is interesting too, because I think as we go through life in general, we have, um, you know, we have stages and ages and we seem to have these evolutions. You know, we stay with something for a period of time and then we usually, you know, shift gears and we move forward into um, something new, you know, something yeah. that is, and it's sort of like everything that you've done before is it's been like a prerequisite training, right? It's sort of, gotten, yeah, that's like, how it feels. yeah. And it's like, my mom has always said, she's like, yeah, great. It's like kind of like lily pads, you know, a frog jumping from one to one, like, <laughs> oh. you, you stay in one spot for a while, you soak up the view, you do your thing, but then you, you got to leap at some point to the next yeah. iteration of whatever you're doing, right? Whatever your, um, the growth is. So now that you've shifted gears into this, um, how is that changing your work? What are you doing? Yeah, like what's it? How is it different now? What's it look like now in real time? Like what's kind of happening with, um, with mm. this work? There's a lot. Well, one of the main things that I'm actually really consistently blown away by and impressed with is because I've been studying like the a big part of the school. It's called Clear Vision, and so a big part of the school is cultivating very clear, precise, energetic vision, which is mm -hmm. one of the things I was looking for. And so the level of piercing through vagueness and targeting things so laser specific that are happening in people just mm -hmm. by virtue, and they talk about this actually in um, when they talk about vision practices more in like Vedic traditions, they, there's like by virtue of seeing things change. So, like, uh -huh. just when something is directly seen in presence, which is really the concept of darshan, like, when these masters come and they just see you, and people have these epic experiences of enlightenment, that's, I think that's, like, the ultimate, ultimate version of it, but to be have a, to have a certain level of energetic vision and precision to lock in on what's going on with someone, um, the acceleration that just that is having with my clients where I can just directly pierce through their story, the traumas, everything that's going on on the surface into connection with their essence and then speak directly to that. Mm -hmm. It's like so much of the belief work stuff just falls by the wayside because they're getting a direct experience Got of it. someone seeing them. So that's a big part of it. Um, another part of it is the, the, changes in my clientele which is very interesting like I'm going from people that um and I love everyone I've worked with dearly and I have a lot of really amazing relationships with my past clients and students but one of the things that's happening for me a lot more is people who are really seeking self-knowledge and truth are the people that I'm working with Mm -hmm. And that's different than people that just want to be fixed so that life's a little bit better and more enjoyable. Sure. It's not that you don't get life being better and enjoyable by following the pursuit of self-knowledge, but it is that these people that are wanting to work with me have will towards yeah. towards wanting something bigger and something more. And so as a practitioner, that's so satisfying for me yeah. um, because I can give that and the space of the, the technique that I use really has this massive capacity to reconnect people with these huge parts of themselves. So it's different. It's it's different than working with like baseline issues, mm -hmm. although those are part of it. There's this broader, more cosmological aspect that can happen through it as well. And which is funny to say because some of the people that I work with they're not these super cosmic, you know, they're like yeah. they 
people that have, you know, they own businesses and have, they're not super like out there woo, but they yeah. have this wanting for something more. And that's really all it takes is an authentic, sincere wanting mm-hmm. for something more. And, um, I think that that's, that's changed my experience a lot too, as a practitioner and the work that I do and what I've always really wanted, yeah. but hadn't really had a context to understand like that's what I was wanting to give. Like yeah. I didn't have the words, didn't have the framework. Right. So. Well, in a similar fashion, you know, when I was in school for acupuncture and people would come, that was kind of one of the, while I was in school, that was one of the threads that was, I don't want to say it was difficult for me, but if you're seeing a person, right? Um, maybe once a week or once every two weeks or sometimes more if they have some chronic thing. But there were a lot of times, right, the attitude of the person was put the fire out, you know, put this, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like, come in here and take care of this thing. And if it's an injury, like a, a physical injury, like they've banged their knee, that's a very different kind of thing than I have this chronic um, emotional pattern in my life that I'd like you to push the button for me and mm-hmm. stick the needles in and, and make it go away, you know. And that was exactly. that was a very difficult place to be, and, and it, it became tiring over time. Where I think you know my the direction of my business, which became lifestyle education, was about around that sort of issue. I thought there's only so much you can do with putting out fires for people. At some yeah. point, I think you have to orient um, your clientele, the people that you're working with, that it's like it's, there's work here. You know, you have yeah. to you, you do have to. You have to work on this as if it were um, a sculpture or anything else. You're going to have to tend to it or, or water it like a plant. There's a yep. there's a very proactive sort of thing, and I think that was um, so. I can relate to you when you say that. I think yeah, it's like God. You to get the right people that actually want to ev- evolve and grow their their life mm-hmm. and their um, their experience in life. That's a that's a wonderful clientele to come across when you do. Uh, and people yeah, exactly. sometimes don't even know that they want to do that yet you know sometimes mm-hmm. you have to tend to them just to, like yeah this is yeah. A, this is an option you know if you want to go down this road and totally um, yeah shift some things in your life for for better experience right more dynamically yeah well and i think that's a, a big part of our job as practitioners too i mean and we have to even convey that to someone you have to realize it on your own path right like sure. especially if you're born in North America, where it's the fixomania thing is, oh, yeah. it's pretty huge. And that's kind of the way that we're trained. And it's not versus like traditional Chinese medicine. It's yep. pre- all about prevention yes, um, from time. the start, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and keeping that essence that we have innately from birth. And yep. so there is, a, I totally agree with that. Like, I think that it's part of our responsibility as as practitioners, but also as educators to, as bridges to be yep. like, look, you know, evolution, active evolution. First of all, I, I've been on this kick recently where, like, embodiment mm-hmm. sounds like a arrival point, but really, to me, embodiment is a whole journey. It's a whole, it's active, and evolution is an active principle, and you have to have that framework to approach life in a way where you're going to really be able to integrate these things and change and become something new and instead of that feeling like a chore yeah or something you have to do you know you you learn to embrace it as as a journey as an experience and it's totally going to be challenging it's definitely going to take will you're definitely going to have to find will in places you didn't know you had it which is part of evolution (laughs) so um yep yeah, it's a full, it's, it's, it's meaty. 
you know, it's definitely not for the faint of, of heart. And I think that's beautiful. You know, I think that that's like, that's life worth living, you know? Yeah. Right. Right. And, um, it always brings me back to one of my favorite sayings, which is, you know, heroes aren't born, they're made. (laughs) And you have to, you know, if your story is going to have a, and I don't mean just, you know, the, the archetypal hero, but I mean, just to, to process your shit, you're going to have to also go into, like you said, some pretty dark places. And I think that's, that's the nice thing about, about, I think, you know, working with people and, and getting them to, to see that. I think there's the, the two things that I like are like when people actually realize that's a, that's a, that's a, a possibility. They're like, wow, life can be better if I put some work into changing some things, you know, that's, yeah. that's a wonderful thing to see people open up to. And then if people are already um, on board with that idea to facilitate it and just go down that road, right. Both of yes. those things are like, yeah, great. Totally. Wonderful. You know, I'm happy yeah. to, to, to jump on board on, on either one of those. If they yeah, can. exactly. Let me ask you this, because this is curious. I ask people this, and you know, Chinese medicine, I would say, because it's old and Ayurveda, right? There's this some of the ancient mm-hmm. medicine, the older medicine traditions, are seen as, I don't know, by the West, right? Sort of old-fashioned. They're ancient, um, and sometimes they're seen as like New Age woo-woo. And then there's a completely different movement of what we would call, I don't know, like the Westernized New Age movement, which is, it's different, but but one is seen as kind of like old archaic one is seen as new age and Mm. the terminology and the languaging um, in these worlds is like Chinese medicine has its own, its own language. First, I mean, of course it's in Chinese, but (laughs) but I mean, they have, you know, the way they talk about the elements, the way they talk about, Mm. um, you know, all of these things that happen to you and these syndromes and these metaphors, right. For how things attack Mm. the body and how you have to process them. And, heat, damp, cold, dryness, you know, these things that it can invade from the, from the external world. So they have their own languaging. And then, you know, in the new age Western movement, there's a whole languaging that goes with that stuff too. And so Mm -hmm. what I've, my question to you is, you know, I've had to figure out being in the West. Part of me was like, yes, I want to work with people who are like on board with this stuff to a degree. Mm -hmm. And then I also want to open up doors for people that are very just Westernized regular folks. How do you make, how do you make it digestible? How do you make it accessible? Because I saw that was one of the biggest hitches when like in Chinese medicine school, right? Someone comes in and some, some new grad student who's just got all this cool theory and all this cool, amazing (laughs) stuff. And they're like, well, Roger, let me tell you about, you know, the, the divisions of yin and yang. And I'm like, you could just watch the patients just glaze. Yeah, over, go you know? blink. Yeah, they're stoked to be sharing the information. You can tell they're passionate, but the patient is just like, you know, the, the information yeah. is just hitting them in the forehead and falling down. And and I was <laughs> thinking like, okay, so there's got to be a way uh, to like to do this right to to make it yeah. accessible. So in your work, have you had to do that? Have you had to learn to make this type of accessible to? your clientele or have you kind of steered away from that and just like, I want to work with people who are just on board and who are totally like Mm. bought in. Like, where do you, what's that been like? (laughs) I'm still, you know, I'm totally still actively in the process of that. Um, It's a great question because it, you know, I think to be, and the only way that you're going to get really deeply into any of this stuff is you're going to be that person that's enthusiastic about the theory and can, right. you know, look at these, especially like Chinese, something like Chinese medicine, like these broad, poetic, abstract ways of perceiving things yep. that when you actually click into the 
know-how that's there. Like when you click into that languaging and that flow, it does make sense. Yeah. But it takes a level of sitting with it, studying it, like being completely infused by it to yeah. actually get to that point. And the people that are coming to you most likely aren't, aren't going to do that. That's why they're coming to you and not doing it on themselves or with their other buddies right. that are also studying it. Right. Um, so yeah, I, it, to be honest, it took me a long time to even come to terms with the fact that I had to get grounded with my languaging. Um, and I think teaching really helped me with mm-hmm. that because one of the things that, like one of the things that I experienced on my lily pad of teaching theta <laughs> was that I had to start articulating these things that to me were so obvious in people's thought streams, patterns, subconscious experiences, and then my students would see me make these huge energetic shifts on people and not understand what I'm doing energetically. So, you know, I had to articulate these things that are, yep. they're very hard to articulate. So that very. was a good training ground for that for yep. me. Um, Cause you can't use all of these ethereal words. Like it, it just doesn't really pass the space of techniques or what they're doing. Um, right. So that's been a big one. I think also there is definitely a level of, coming back down to the human connection because all of these things go so far beyond what we perceive as human. I mean, really they are human really at our, at our truest essence. We are these incredible way out there um, creatures. And yet at the same time, there's this very real deal. Like I live in the world. I feel very deeply. I have challenging experiences in life. I have challenging experiences with my partner or my family, or I just feel really deep pain or I feel pleasure or I feel, you know, I I do these things that I have shame about because I'm not supposed to, or, you know, I hide these parts of myself because they're not okay. And so it's a lot of that is how I come at it, which is, you know, I feel like we've been, first of all, shame is insanely oppressive and we inflict it that kind of oppression on ourselves so much when we're buying into all of these thoughts of like like even like the basics of sexuality and sexual desire or um things that we think that we do that are wrong or bad and and then we criminalize ourselves internally for them and then hide them away and create whole personality structures to protect ourselves When really, like, you have someone else sit with you and you go, oh, wow, cool. That's not really a big deal. But I totally hear that that's a big deal for you. And I totally feel where that's coming from and how vulnerable you have to be to to share something that you're very ashamed of. But to have someone just fully embrace and accept you in those places and in those moments, like, it is very, 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 very hard to phase me. Yeah. With like anything that people have done or said or experienced in yeah. their life. Um, and so that that's when, when I say the human connection, um, bringing it back down to vulnerability, bringing it back down to basic uh, connectivity yeah. and intimacy. Yeah. That's really helped. And the fact that we are we are really all going through similar versions of of the same thing. Yeah. Um, and so when I can connect to people on those levels you know, you're, and it, and it can also really come back to like, 
are you taking care of yourself? You know, like right. the basics. sleeping well, are you eating well? Right. How are you talking to yourself? How are right. you identifying yourself and your thought patterns? Like, and then from there, from all of those things, which is really just basic connection with people yeah. um, and how they're feeling and what they want to feel. And I think from there, I people feel really safe with me. Like, yeah. And I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if you're one of those people too, where people just tell you like, I never tell anyone this, Yo, but like for my, some reason, there's something about you. My, my whole life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The time I was like, and I yeah. can feel that with you. Like you yeah. feel very safe. You yeah. know, you feel like someone where I would be like, yes, totally. Here's my deepest, darkest, and you're still going to love me. <laughs> yes, totally. For sure. Yeah. So. No, it's, well, it's good. You're perceptive because yeah, it's been like that most of my life. And, um, I think going into this field and that's why I asked you that question is, is, you know, when I when I wanted to go into Chinese medicine school, I, first of all, I stumbled into Chinese medicine school, fell ass backwards into it, didn't go to Santa Cruz to go there. At the time, I had followed a girl I was in love with to Santa Cruz, went to a Kung Fu class, found out they were all acupuncturists. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. So you guys do Kung Fu and like heal people? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, all right, so I'm quitting my job and I'm going to do that because that sounds awesome. <laughs> you know, totally. And I, I, get, I get to school and people are like, yeah, I found I've been you know, people had like moved there for that. And I was like, so you guys all planned this? And they were like, that was pretty much everybody. So I think mm. when I stumbled into this stuff, I, I, I found Chinese medicine. And then that was the one of the first things that sort of came up though. When I was, I was like, this is, first of all, if you can, you know, I've got, I've always had a little bit of a metaphysic bent. I've always been interested in that kind of stuff. So I think when I started reading it, I was already kind of a, there was a buy-in factor I already had. Mm -hmm. And it was beautiful, elegant, also esoteric, especially if you got into classical Chinese medicine. And then I, I was confronted with this reality. I remember thinking like, okay, so this stuff's awesome. And I can see after four or five years of being in school, what has worked, that the theory is sound, it's very applicable. But I, I was confronted with this, how am I gonna make this digestible for the truck driver, for the plumber, for, the, for like the everyday person without them just being like, oh, here we go yeah. with some woo-woo <laughs> stuff that they just cannot understand. Not because it doesn't work, just because the languaging wasn't, like you said, right? Just the, the human, where that person is, is like, how do you translate it um, yeah. in a way that's accessible for them? And that's been an yeah. ongoing evolution for me, especially moving to Sacramento. Sacramento is the capital. It's a government town. Um, there's definitely a liberal thread here, but there's a lot of conservative people. And, I, and I've had to just do that. Um, and it... <laughs> You know, the funny thing was I had my mom, she said this to me. She goes, great. She's like, you know, your lifelong hero is Superman. She's like, now think about that. She's like, that's the message right there. She's like, Superman is a mild-mannered, nerdy, everyday person working at like a, you know, as a reporter. Mm -hmm. She's like, but he's sitting on a on like a winning lottery ticket. He can throw cars. He can travel into space. He's bulletproof. He's got all these crazy things and he comes from a completely different place, but he's got the mild-mannered thing. And she's like, you kind of have to do that with Americans a little bit if you're going to want this to like grab. And I was like, oh, mom, mom wisdom, you know, just so. I want to meet your mom. Yeah, it was like, <laughs> I was like, rock on, mom. Like, because that's, and she was right. And she was, I mean, I was thinking the same thing, but she put it into terms where I thought that's a really important point to kind of, um, to sit with, you know. And then there was, she told me that. And then right at the end of school, you know, there's there's that saying from from Taoism, the moment you the moment you say it's the Tao, it's no longer the Tao. Like the moment you say mm -hmm. it's this thing, you've kind of lost it a little bit. And I kept thinking, I was like, I don't really have to tell people explicitly 
the theory that I'm, yep. you know, I don't have to like tell them yep. and wax intellectual on it. I don't have to go really deep into these things and, and, and wow them with the glitz of the theory, even though as beautiful as it is, I thought I just have to kind of do it and talk about it in other mm-hmm. terms. And then people start to have, and that's where I've seen, uh, which is kind of fun too. It's kind of like an exercise, you know, like yeah, yeah, how do you yeah, take yeah. something that's totally esoteric that is just out there and you're like, here, here's a little morsel for you to eat, you know, like take, mm-hmm. eat that tastes pretty good, doesn't it? And you don't know what's in it, but just, you know, have a bite of this. Mm-hmm. And that's been, um, but I, I asked you that because I've just seen people, I think if they're working in any field where it's a little outside or a lot outside the mainstream narrative and culture of just how we operate in the West, it's a real struggle. People, and, totally. I've, and I've seen people really like spiral where they're like, they're so talented, they're so passionate, they've had really good result in their life, right? And with their clients, but they can't just get, they can't bring it down, like you said, to like the human connection relatable yeah. thing. And that's, that's a problem sometimes. I'm like, damn it, that's a bummer, you know, because if you're good at what you're doing and you've had therapeutic effect, it's like we have to um, work on that, you know, if, if you want to continue to, to send your goodness into the world. And that's kind of frustrating, you know. I think that's like for a lot of people, especially people that are artists and <laughs> that are creative types, they're like, what do you mean I have to like, you know, funnel my shit together in and make it digestible for people. I'm like, I know it's a bitter truth, but it's like, <laughs> yeah, totally. but it's, it's kind of the way it goes, you know? Yeah, I totally, I, and I resisted it for a long time. I mean, and a lot of people because do. I, you know, you want, you want the world to be interested and totally. be invested in this kind of thing. And then, totally. and then I think you realize like, I mean, one of the ways I look at it is that back when we had proper temples and initiates and people yep. studying the kinds of things we're studying, it wasn't everyone. It was no. a small percentage of people that 100%. were that dedicated to their craft. And, yep. and yeah, they definitely didn't go around telling everyone what they were doing. They didn't need to. Um, and I think that there's something that's quite beautiful about being a bit of a shapeshifter where you, yeah, like one of, a big part of my process with this has been that kind of, it's, I would, say what you're talking about is the maturation um in a sense of you know you look at the character that that you're playing in life and how can I relate how can I be in the world and not of it like how can I really really be here and be present with where everyone is at relate there and yet hold something where people are like I don't know what it is about you yeah but that's exactly I want to know you and you have something and they might not know it the whole time, but it's like, I think that part's beautiful too, where you can't um, compartmentalize humans no matter what. Like they may be working some extremely corporate high level job oh, yeah. and and have this, all of the reasons why the new age scene or something like the alternative would be like, oh, this person's asleep. And yet, like, they have this sixth sense inside of them that just comes out and it's like, you, I don't know what it is, but you, like, I want to know you. Yep. Or, you know, there's this human intuition thing. doesn't matter how much sleep or mohar or whatever you want to call <laughs> it is clouding someone. Right. They can, we have something built in that can really feel oh. light recognition or whatever you want to call it, right. knowing. Right, right. And you could put, like, that's the thing, right? And that's the crazy thing about language and thought is you can attach any title to something and that Mm -hmm. title um, 
can trigger some people, totally open people. It can be, you know, it, whatever it is, but you're right. Because I think, and you just nailed it on the head for me in terms of, I think when we're going through life and we're navigating our healing and we're trying to evolve and we're trying to get our life back in order so that we can live it well, mm-hmm. I think we're we're trying to we're trying to work through all of that stuff. And at some point I kind of realized, you know, I'm 37 now and I, I somewhere in, I think in my, maybe my little after 30, I was, I got to this point where I thought, you know, it's a decision how I kind of paint my character, this character who is, yeah. you know, ultimately kind of just a construct, right? I thought, mm-hmm. I thought, you know, how I want to paint it is I, I want to be that guy, you know, I want to be that mm. person where I can, I can sit on my ticket and I don't have to show it. Yeah, and, and oh, I can, well said. Yeah, I don't have to like, you know, hey, look at my numbers. Yeah. <laughs> I, it was more of I actually enjoyed the process of being the Clark Kent. I thought I want to I want to be able to bump elbows and drip out whatever I've got on the inside without overtly telling people. Like it to me mm-hmm. fundamentally like that character if it was a movie, I thought mm-hmm. I like that character. You know, that's that's interesting, it's creative, it's a challenge too, which I always dig. You know, I like I like a good challenge. <laughs> And it makes things pretty interesting, um, you know, and I, what I've seen is just in my own personal experience with that is becoming that character and trying to be that way and navigate where I say less, uh, do more in action and have the, like you said, there's like that. So what's his story? Like, you know, mm-hmm. you know, the person's got an interesting thing going on, but I can't really pinpoint it. Yeah. That's like, that's more fun, at least for it's me. It's totally fun. It's fun. Right? It's like, that's what it boils down to. It's just more fun. I thought, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a something I can get behind. And what I found is just, you know, in terms of the realities of 3D business, um, it's helpful. It's very, totally helpful. it's very helpful. And like, like you said, you know, I resisted it too for a long time. Like when, it, when, when MySpace was still a thing and I went back, I mean, I remember when I first got into MySpace in my early twenties and my page was like chakras and just crazy like everything <laughs> yeah. every new age color you know with crystals and i remember just thinking and i remember how many people were just so turned off by it we're so just like okay so gray's gone off the deep end you know and like i can't talk to <laughs> yeah. him anymore totally yeah. it's like and people assumed then i remember thinking that kind of stuff it was when i came home to visit you know like the narrative people were like well i can't talk to you about this because you believe that i remember like what like what and I, re- I realized it was just part of the package because people don't get her they didn't understand so like you said you know definitely an evolution like how do we yeah. how do we go through and navigate this stuff um in a way and i think it's a relevant question for a lot of people in what you would call esoteric or outside the box fields it's like it's a question yeah. you should sit with you don't have to do anything you know there's no like rule where i would say everyone should do it this way mm-hmm. not at all like People are going to stay fully in their languaging. I think it's just a good question to explore because it's relevant nowadays. Totally. Yeah. And it, it totally depends also on like what your intention is too. I think that that's one thing Correct. that grounds me a lot is in that space of taking on the character and learning how to interface with the world. And I love sitting sitting on my ticket. I love yeah, that yeah, phrasing. Yeah. Um There's also this want in me, like in that human connectivity, in that very basic, like heart to heart, me to you space of creating connection beyond these feelings of being separate and making it okay to just be a regular freaking human when everyone's trying, not everyone, but most people are just trying to be a version of something that we're actually not, which is extremely taxing. Um, 
when I become more relatable to people, I change people or I, I create, I catalyze change more versus like when I'm fighting some kind of fight and you look back and it's like, who am I fighting against with all of these chakra, rainbow, laser beam, <laughs> you know, intergalactic. What am, what like, am I doing? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Do I know what I'm doing right now? No, not really. Yeah. I, but I was very justified in it, you For, know, somewhere, fully, which fully. is always kind of a thing if I'm really justified in something I'm a little bit questioning of it now yeah but, um, right right but yeah it's like that relatability I feel like is is such there's such a transmission that can happen yeah and that whatever that is is so beautiful to me where someone that can have such a quote-unquote normal life can experience something just from your presence yeah. just from the way that you are that touches them really deeply yep. and touches a part of them that resonates with that mm-hmm. and I, that's magic to me oh for sure you know? and I, if I can I can definitely do that a lot more now than when I had super dreadlocked hair wanted <laughs> to touch sure. my face for sure like was wearing every rainbow fractal that I could you of know course. talking about Arcturians like right right <laughs> talk about like the least relatable person well <laughs> it's the right and, and there's gonna be like right you're there's going to be a, a whole grouping of people that totally gravitate to you because of the uniform you're wearing, right? There's going to, there's going to be a lot of people who are like, oh my God, you're one of me. Great. And, yeah. and that's, yeah. that has its place. Absolutely. I, I think it's just, yeah, you get what I'm saying. We're, we're talking, we're speaking yeah. the same language. It's just, yeah, it's like, okay, so how do I become more relatable? How do I make this? Um, and like I said, you know, I've had people in the past, only in recent years, People assume if they meet me for the first time, they're like, oh, you must be in, you must, you probably have a sales job. You're probably like a real estate person or something. And I'm like, that's great. I'm like, yeah, cool. So glad that you're so far off. Like that's just makes me feel good about whatever, whatever the hell I'm doing. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. You know? And so I think it's really good. um, Yeah. To have this conversation. So this kind of segues into the thing that I, I wanted to ask you, which was, I don't know how long it was ago. Um, and when we, when we started the, the interview and I had that moment of pause, I'm like, I was about to say Iska Avaya. And I was like, whoa, no, <laughs> like rewire. I was like, go back. Cause we, we had talked about this, but it got me for a second. So, um, Iska Benstock, you know, and, mm-hmm. and the, the name change and, mm-hmm. and this is more of a curiosity, not a judgment. It's like about this larger issue, but a lot of people, um, people you and I know, uh, people that I've met that I, that don't know you and me mutually, but the name change, right? In the new ager, new ager scene, I would call um, people will change their their um, their given name and take on a quote unquote spiritual name, and mm-hmm. usually it's not changed legally. Even they've just just taken on the name, which is fine. Like mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I, I could, I don't care at all. But it happens quite a bit. Well, people will take on these very like divine natured names. Mm-hmm. as a means to sort of, I don't know, claim a spiritual identity or, or what they're aiming towards. And then when you switched back and you, and you went back to your, your given last name, you know, Ben Stock, mm-hmm. I reached out to you and I remember saying, I was like, I really appreciate that you went just like back to your birth last <laughs> name, you know, Ben Stock. I thought that's so awesome. Um, and we kind of had that, I don't know, Facebook messenger about it. And we got into a little conversation and it was just a, something, me being a fly on a wall, in this community where I'm sort of trying to, in a sense, be the Clark Kent and hide my, mm-hmm. <laughs> hide the stuff I'm sitting on. Talk to me about that, like why you changed it 
um, back, I guess, maybe even both, like why the, the, the change, you know, to um, the spiritualized name and then back. Yeah, talk to me about that process and what you've seen and, and yeah, just your commentary mm. on that whole dynamic. Curious. Yeah, it's so, it's so interesting. It's funny because I changed it and it was like very little people said anything about it mm-hmm. and no one until the point where you asked me said anything about it directly. Yeah. Um, so it was really cool for me to experience the first direct Question. signal is like someone that actually like you were seeing and I could feel it in our exchange. Yep. The like essence of why I changed it back. Mm-hmm. And uh, so to start, I changed, so my, my birth name is Jessica Benstock mm-hmm. And the first time I changed it, it, and I went by Jesse most of my life. My parents still call me Jesse. I have friends that still call me Jesse. But at first I changed it to Jesse Avaya. And that was when I, that whole thing happened to me when I was 18. Mm -hmm. Um, And essentially it was because the first spirit guide reading, the woman was trying to give me a healing and she said that my... She said that my spirit guides wouldn't let her spirit guides heal me because I was a healer and I was supposed to heal myself, which I was like in pieces. So for me to hear that at the time, I was like, I don't even know who, like what you do, <laughs> yeah. but no one can help me. And I thought you could, and now yeah. you can't help me because my invisible crew is telling your invisible crew that I'm a healer right. and I want to go to art school. So <laughs> right, right. You're like, you, you're like what? You just fed me a shit sandwich when like, I thought you were going to help me out here, right? Yeah, exactly. I thought yeah. you were going to be my saving grace. Right. She was the woman that gave me the book on hypnotherapy. So she did send me off well. Um, and I love her so yeah. much. She's yeah. amazing. But she said that she had heard the word Avaya and that it was an energy that I was a part of like my higher self that I was incarnating. Mm. And so at the time I was like, Avaya, that sounds cool. So I just, I was like, well, I'm just going to put that as my Facebook name. Jesse yeah. Avaya. Sounds good. Yeah, and and a couple of years later, I looked it up, and in Sanskrit, avaya means to arrive or to inform, or to come into form. And I was like, well, that's cool. Like, I feel like I'm arriving. I feel yeah. like I'm starting to come into form come into a little. Form. Bit <laughs> I can get behind that, right? <laughs> I thought. Yeah, seems good <laughs> enough. There was this, like super deep. I mean, it was at a really pivotal time, and it sounded cool, <laughs> and it had a cool sure. ancient word name to it. So I just kind of went with that. And then I changed my name to Iska because when I was around 24, I had a significant, I mean, this is after doing a ton of healing work, super deep dive, completely like I just had a lot of that kind of ancient ancient soul wisdom or whatever you want to call it, like this knowing inside of me, maturing, really coming online, I felt completely different. But I didn't want to change my name to like, unicorn moonbeam fairy you know like I just I just like I don't want to be called Jesse anymore and yeah. Jessica reminds me of when my mom's mad at me so what do I do mm-hmm. and I ended up just I was like well where's my name from and I looked it up and it's the Hebrew origin of the name Jessica is Iska and it means to long form it means to perceive a divinely inspired future and that's with a special like um this thing called a yud, which is a flame character. Mm. Um, it was the, the it was what they would refer to a prophet. There, there's a prophetess in the Torah named Sarah, and when she would go into these oh. spaces, they would call her Iska. But on a short form level, it means to behold or to gaze upon. 
And I, I love the word behold because to me it's like when you can behold the essence of something, right. then things change, like presence happens. Um, and then when I put those two together at the time, I was like to bring a, the vision of a divinely inspired future into form or like, you know, yeah. I put East Nevada together and I was like, this is perfect. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to do this, Please right? It sounds beautiful, Iska Avaya. Yeah, and I went with it for a long time, mm-hmm. um, and then it got to the point where, right when I stopped doing Theta and started coming, doing going to my school, I started to see that when my life fell apart when I was eighteen, all I had, like I literally only had the foundation of my spiritual path to build my sense of self identity on. Mm. And so the Avaya piece was really that, like it was really being like, this is what I identify with. This is who I am. This is all I have. And so it was a great way. Like I don't see it as a bad thing. I see it like a stage where my little ego was like, okay, like I need, give me something like some kind of ground to recreate myself on. Fair enough. And it was part of that. But I also started to see the character that I had played and how much my spiritual character isn't actually me. It's, she's very functional. She's very into spirituality. She studies a ton about yeah. all sorts of spiritual worlds. But I felt very unintegrated with the mm-hmm. rest of the world. and That had always been a challenge, like we were just talking about. And yep. then I also just started to see it, – it went pretty hand-in-hand hand with starting to see through the New Age scene. And being like, oh, shoot, like (laughs) this whole vision that I I had full on bought into it. Like I didn't have discernment. I just this this visionary part of me that wants this utopian world full, like 100 percent bought in. Yeah. And was like, we're doing it like this is how we create the the new world, you know. Right. When that vision started crumbling, it was like the character that I played in that story started to be more exposed to me. Mm -hmm. And. I didn't want that to infringe on my clarity. And there was something about just taking on the name, like taking back my original last name where it felt like a reclamation of who I am without having to prove who I am to anyone, without having to be this very shiny, sparkly, like putting an avatar in front of myself going like, this is who I am. Because I came to a point where I was like, I could call myself Fred. It doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) What I do is why people are drawn to me. What I do, what I connect to, what I bring to the world has nothing to do with my identity. Mm -hmm. And it's on a certain level, I've had questions because Iska Vaya sounds really cool, looks really good on paper. Iska Benstock is a little more clunky, you know, and something about Benstock where it's just like, Oof, it's got like, some, well, it has some, I think that one of the things I said to you was, um, you know, all, I'm, my mom's an English major. My dad was a, you know, journalism major. There's a lot of writing and languaging in my family. And mm-hmm. so sounds, tones, cadence, alliteration, words. I mean, I love writing. And so for me, tones matter, you know, and when, yeah. I, when you said Iska Benstock, I was like, it has some grit and weight and it kind of, it's like punctuates, you know, it has this like, boom, yeah. like, <laughs> and I was like, good for you for going back to that um you know and i was so curious about mm-hmm. that but it but it does it has a little bit more like 
stops it clicks, yeah. you know, and I thought, I thought, good, you know, that's great that you, that you, that you did it. And you were, you were open as hell about it. Like when I asked you, I thought mm-hmm. maybe she'll be offended, but I'm going to risk it. <laughs> like I was like, I'm just so, <laughs> genu- that, yeah. yeah, yeah. I was so genuinely curious. Um, and that, and that kind of, yeah, that's the reason I'm asking is like I said, you know, I always want to preface this by saying, you know, I do my best. Am I guilty of it? Yes. Like, do I judge people sometimes for sure? <laughs> But I'm trying to say that I'm not coming from a judgmental place. It was me Mm -hmm. asking because, yeah, I would just say, you know, I've seen in what I would call the new age community, definitely just seen some bullshit, you know, and and you're like, there's all of this, um, there's so much fluff about, you know, it's kind of like, here's the high, high vibration, new age, like principles that people are obviously so not living. Like, you know, you, yeah. you, you meet them, you know, or you see their business plan or you meet someone who knows them and they're like, this person's fucking this person over fully. Like, you know, they're, mm-hmm. or they're, or they're just not in integrity in what they're doing. So that, that can happen in the new age scene and that can happen in regular Western culture, right? That's nothing new. It's been happening mm-hmm. since the dawn of time, I think. But when there's the, um, you know, it's the, it's the, I guess the, the, sometimes the posturing that can come with it or the the claim that I've got to have, I've got to have a spiritual name to, to really, um, show you who I am. I think it, there was this pitfall I started to see. I was like, God, if sometimes if that happens, not always, right. But there's the, if it happens, there's almost, um, there's a real ego pitfall that you're putting yourself. That's like, it can really happen where I thought if you change your, change your name, um, because it's spiritual. Oh man, there's, there's a, there's definitely a slippery slope that you get on that can be, mm-hmm. it can be wonderful. It can be great, but I've just seen it where it's not. And I thought, wow, that can really bite you in the ass if you're not careful, you know, that can, totally. that, that can come back. Totally. And the piece to that is also, you know, when, when you look at, um, olden traditions, you know, all of the like sacred languages, you know, Chinese is one, um, there's, you know, Aramaic, you know, Sanskrit, they, these tonal languages too. One of the common threads amongst all of them, they said, look, the tones that come, that a person identifies you by are really important. And when they're given to you, you know, some people like really don't like their names and I'm like, yeah, change it. But they're like, it has weight. Just, you know, yeah. your name as it is when it's been given to you coming into the world is there's something special about that too. And, yeah. um, you know, I had, my middle name is, is Christ. My mom, it's spelled mm-hmm. Christ. My, my birth name, my mom's maiden name is, is Christ, but it's pronounced Christ. And it's like from, it actually is, has German ties. It's a, it's a long story. I don't want to go too deep into it, but my full name, you know, Grayson Christ or Christ Estrada, you know, I had that, um, I had my full name for a while on social media and people started thinking that I was like, I adding a spiritual name, you know, like, and, and Oh, interesting. Yeah. And it was, and I remember being like, God, that's so funny because I could see it's like if you're gonna claim a spiritual name, that's one of the big dogs, you know. Look, like that's definitely <laughs> one, one of the big something. ones. Like if I'm gonna go go big or go home, you know, like let's just not cut, let's not call it, <laughs> let's cut the shit. I'm just gonna go for Christ. I don't see men doing that often, right? You see women taking oh, on Magdalene or Magdalena, but totally. for yeah. a man to just claim Christ, yeah, like, I'm just gonna take Christ, cool. right? And so I remember there was this point, and this was years back, like, um, it was while I was in Chinese medicine school, but I remember just being like the irony, you know, like that's actually really my name. But, but again, it was like, and I'm not ashamed of my name. I love, I love my name, Grayson Christ or Christ Estrada. Like it's a cool name, 
but I remember thinking like, I'm just going to take it down. Like I'm, I also don't want to be where things are right now. I don't want to be slung into that, that, that culture. You know, I thought I can sit on that ticket. That's fine. You know, I'll totally Mm -hmm. just sit back. Um, and, and right when I was deciding to, to do this, I remember I was like, should I just take it down? I was like, no, fuck that. I'm going to keep my name because it's me. But I don't, you know, I, I was like wrestling with this and I go to this bar and sometimes, you know, the universe just kind of like talks to you because I'm yeah. really like in my head overly heated about it. Like, what should I do? Like, should I take my social media name down, and, <laughs> you know, simplify it? And um, and I remember this this bartender, I give him my, my, my debit card. You know, I get a drink and the guy looks at it and he like, he double takes and he's like, you don't look like Christ. And he puts it down and I just, <laughs> and I just start to laugh, you know, I'm just like, and I'm like, okay, that was like my green light to like, just, take it, just take it down. Gray. You don't, you know, like you don't look like Christ. That's like great. it was so funny. And so I, and I did, I took it down, you know, but I've, this naming thing has been like on my mind for quite a while, mm-hmm. just in this scene, you know, just in, the, yeah, in, in it's, people, it's, it's, inter- it's interesting, you know, it's a very interesting thing to do. So when we we opened this conversation a while back and I was asking you about that and you were like, I'm going back to, I went back to Benstock. Um, so can you flush out kind of what you've seen? Like, I guess in, in other, in other people and other situations that um, kind of brought you to the decision to go back to your, yeah, your birth name. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I saw personally was, and this is really fascinating um, to me that we, and we do, I think we do this all the time to live in the world and to survive in the world where we will create personas and characters that are very functional. Um, and the fact that I had created a subsection of myself, literally that, that was, had only certain parts of my personality in it, only certain parts of, um, my expressions in it, you know, I'm like, I'm someone who like, I listen to metal music, I listen to punk rock music, like, (laughs) I was like, total goth kid when you know, and into metal, like I was was crazy rampant child. And also went like full on into the festival scene and the rave scene, like, uh, this like amalgamation of all different parts, like, intense forces that are super dark or heavy or you know and like really really devotional light um refined parts of my spiritual self and essence and so you know I I felt like first of all there were parts of me that I had felt for years I didn't know how to express I had cut off from I felt weren't allowed um even though I was super into being vulnerable it was it was like there were just parts of me, it, it was really odd. Okay, so let me see if I can flesh <laughs> this part down. No, no, the yeah. experience of, first of all, I created a character, Yep. stepped into that character, became a living embodiment of it. Right. Certain parts of me could come through it. Certain parts of me unconsciously couldn't yep. because it didn't exist in that paradigm that character became very functional in the world, took over my life. Like I was co-facilitating right. ritual ceremonies and healing work and um, teaching classes. It was my business. It was who I was known as socially. My social media grew. So on top of just my experience of Iska via, there was everyone else's continued reflection of the character that just crystallized something more. Yeah. Um, and, I don't even totally understand how that works, but I think yeah. it's quite fascinating yeah. because 
that so much of what other uh, what our environment reflects to us we can unconsciously take on and you see that from early childhood development fully, right fully and so it was almost like seeing a certain level of of that happening and being like whoa wait like i'm not this one crystallized subsection of myself Right. And I also had had people that, I mean, I love parts of my school where like there was yeah. the people that came into my life that showed me my school, like, they're like, we want your intensity. We want right. the parts of you that like are violent and are intense and yeah. have this intense amount of will that didn't, wasn't able to get channeled because people didn't understand it. Like I was, I started to be seen in this way by people, obviously they had trained in precise energetic vision for years so they could see they saw right through the character yeah so just by virtue of being around them I started I started feeling like oh wait that's not me and then I started realizing oh wow I've only identified with this very small portion of myself and Mm -hmm. I don't even know how much of that portion of myself is based on me or based on constructs of what I think I have to be um or places that I've built an identity, like I said, to rest on so that I felt okay in the world after my nice. old identity had been smashed. Yep. So just all of that found that's internally what was going on. It was so much more beyond like, should I be Iskovai or not? It was <laughs> right, like, right. oh my God, like I've been yeah. operating in this tiny part. And then to answer the second part of your question, what I've noticed with other people, I think is that like when I see it now, I, on the one hand, like I have compassion because I went through it yeah. in my own version. Um, I definitely see something that's starting to happen where it becomes just more of this, like my whole rant I did a few years back about pop spirituality, you know, yeah. like which I, I just, which I really love that <laughs> whatever you wrote about it, I was just like, slow clapping at home like yes please more trigger as many people as possible really fast totally right um (laughs) it's like it's like talking about hunting in a vegan form or something it's like (laughs) yeah people are gonna people are gonna get pissed yeah but just throwing myself into the shark tank which (laughs) i also found is really interesting when you have all of these like spiritual people getting like extremely violently who are just like yeah totally you're like all right, guys. Like, like... one, except for you, because you're talking shit about something that right, I right. believe. Right, right. You know, and I, I get that, like, because I, I'm sure if I saw that, you know, when I was 20, I'd be like, well, we're all part of the same thing, so why are you hating on everyone? And it's part of the awakening, right. and like, right, right. I get those. Is, um, I do think with some of the name changing, it's like, oh, okay, well, to become a business coach, I have to look like this person. And so, right. and that, these people change their names. So I have to change, like, I need a name like that so that right. people remember me, you know, and right. I don't, I don't think that's everyone. I think that, you know, it's, it's a personal process for each person. Um, but I definitely, I get wafts of that yeah. sometimes, yeah. different people, um, which is very interesting with social media yeah. because we literally create like, and I, um, I don't think that this is a bad thing as long as you're present with it and yeah. it's functional with your awareness and you're not feeding into the image that you're creating. But we right. need an image to some extent if you're going to make social media part of your business on a certain level, just like you need a professional image if you work yeah. in like a you big need, corporation. You, thing. You, you do need a public persona of some kind, right? It's like, yeah, yeah, right. yeah. So that's, I get that. Yeah. So keep going. But it's, tri- it's tricky though when... It's very tricky. That gets mixed in with 
spirituality specifically, I think. No, because then you have paradigms of entire ways of life that you think that you're supposed to be living and you don't necessarily know where a lot of those beliefs are coming from, which is also interesting to me. Yeah. Like there's all these unconscious things that people like we take on, like we think we have to be. Right. And I think also that can happen in any character structure too. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that more goes with like, if you look at meme waves, like on large levels yeah. of groups, of people, things that they believe. But, um, you know, I think what's what's the most scary to me about this kind of thing is when that that cutting off happens where people feel like I have to cut off. And I didn't do this consciously. Like when I say, oh, yeah. I, I'm, into, I'm into punk right. rock and like those parts of me are like they have they can be fucking grounded. They can get shit done. Like they, they're parts of my force that I didn't have contact with right. that I haven't integrated more. Um because it's not just the music, it's the thing that's that resonates with that. It's the thing that yeah. can like handle writ and incarnation right. and like you know. Yep. Yep. Um that also actually makes me really good at healing. <laughs> right. Um but I think when people cut off those parts of themselves that have, you know, connection to anger, connection to yeah. rage, connection to violence, connection to darkness, like connection yeah. to intense parts of their sexuality like yeah. all of these things if you just chop those parts off and go i'm gonna be rainbow unicorn butterfly yeah it's like this whole part of your humanity and being still exists but i think that's the most dangerous thing that i see in, in the new age scene is when people that are it's so interesting too, because sometimes they can speak and they can be like, Oh, I'm very light and everything's beautiful. And like behind their voice, I hear like, fuck you. I want to kill you. Totally. You know, like, there's this like insane rage where like, yeah. I want to shake them, you know? And I think that that's the dangerous thing. I think everything else can be dangerous to a point just because you disconnect from parts of yourself and then right. put all this pressure to have to be something yeah. public. Yep. But that that's the thing that I worry about the most is like Yeah. We are we are the full spectrum. We're the animals, we're the angels, we're the you know, oh, all yeah. of it. And I, if you take one out, I don't know. Yeah. I know there are spiritual beliefs that say, you know, you're ignore your desires and um right. cut off from all bad things, but I haven't really personally met people totally integrated that have taken on those paths of denial and I've met some really solid people who have accepted and embraced all like the dark the light the quote-unquote good the quote-unquote bad like there I feel like there's beauty in our humanity and all of the different aspects you know and so it is interesting how self-identification we can cut off from yeah parts (laughs) you know it's it's an it's an interesting conversation to have with people because I think it's that's why I asked you I was just curious like you know you're plugged into it I think your demographic of people that you're probably working with are probably different than mine and so but we're connected in what we would call you know things that are outside the box and so Mm -hmm. I I do like to ask people I do really want to like probe into this because you know I've had the gamut I have I have like people some of the people I hold in the highest regard truly who I could just go to the deepest darkest and the brightest places have um, a spiritualized name that was maybe given to them by a tradition or they've maybe chosen it or shifted it or whatever. 
that I'm like, you know, that po- that person would take a bullet for me and vice versa. Like you're just like, I put you in the highest and it's clean, right? Like that, yeah. that it's totally clean. And then I've just seen the opposite where it's just, really? it's just really, it's like such, it's so life, right? <laughs> life is like this. The gamut exists, right? I've seen it be, I've seen it be represented in a very clean way. And then I've seen it re- represented in a very dirty kind of slimy way and everything in between. And in the end, it's like, you know, we're all just trying to get through life, doing our thing, trying to figure out how we can, yeah. you know, process how our stuff. How does this work? Yeah, yeah. No one knows what the hell. And I feel like if anyone tells you they know what they're doing, I'm like, no, you don't. Like, you're guessing just like the rest of us. Like, no one really yeah. knows fully. Um, but I've seen it, right? And I've seen that mixture. But I just, I mean, it's, I've, I have, you know, where I'm like, sometimes it's made me backpedal. You know, I'll see the, I'll mm-hmm. see the spiritualized name. And I'm like, ooh, and doesn't mean that it's bad, right? I might talk to them and immediately be like, it's clean, it's fine, it's totally good. Yeah. But it's I also, find... yeah, like made me do that a few, a number of times where I'm like, okay, now I have to kind of just go down my checklist, you know? Yeah. Well, I find, and this is what's beautiful, like the fact that you've studied so deeply in the tradition that you have. Yeah. And my school has been the first time I've been connected to a, a real tradition, not just like a... Uh, not just esoteric books, right. not just like some new age version of traditional teachings, but you know, it's interesting to me that you say like, and I maybe I'm misinterpreting what you said, but it sounded to me like when you have friends that have gotten their names from a tradition, like something feels more solid, and and I don't think that that's one for one or black or white. Sure, but there is something that just was so markedly different in my experience of the energy behind a living tradition yeah, and what that holds and what that holds you to when you come into contact with the integrity there versus Fully. like, I'm just, or what, I don't know, maybe this is bad. <laughs> like, I'm just a dit. Like, I don't know how to yeah. explain. Like, I think fluff is a really good word. Yeah. Something that doesn't totally have a backbone or a skeleton to it or a structural definition somewhere. Well, and I always like the idea of shallow roots, right? It's like, mm. it's Oof, yeah. shallow roots. It, it's a young, it's a young plant or a young tree, right? It's just, it's shallow. Mm. It doesn't mean, and shallow, not like superficial, bad. It just means the mm. roots aren't deep, you know, like that, like something that I think traditions yeah. have deep roots they're like quite literally the tree has been growing a long time maybe it's a redwood that's thousands of years old Mm. that is interconnected and redwoods grow horizontally and connect to other trees but they have deep root systems and i think what happens is is that um you know it's a weird double-edged sword because i've come into contact with like old traditions more in the martial arts community and Mm. i came across lineage systems that are like here's the lineage. You can track it back. You can do this thing. And for me, this go round, I was like, you know, it's just too dogmatic. I just can't do it. I'm going to have to like, I'm going to have to train with people who have trained traditionally and who also are kind of pulling away from that a little bit, you know, that are just, Mm. it's, it's a little more, it's less confined, you know? So, and it's like, and that's the thing I've seen the power of tradition, right? And we can find these really deep lineage systems and it really is, powerful and then you have to just kind of come to this place and like is that is that my move yeah this go like am i do i totally do i want to do that do i want to do that or maybe have i done that before and just i mean (laughs) it's familiar so it feels you know like hey we should do this again 
<laughs> I think there's definitely yes. like a thread of that too, where I've been like, I don't know how, if past lives, concurrent lives, whatever simulation reality we're in, however this thing works, that's an idea that I've just wrestled with and I've kind of come to grips with where I'm like, I don't think I'm supposed to do that this time as gray. You know, if I, if, if there is multiple times, I'm like, I don't think I'm going to do that. I think I'm just going to go with this thing. But I think, again, it's just funny. We have, we have to navigate these things. Um, I think if we're pursuing this kind of stuff, it's just, a, it's a very, <laughs> it's a very bumpy kind of terrain. And I really liked what you said, right? Um, when you were talking about cutting off the uh the rough edges right like cutting cutting these things off and, and just being the moonbeam unicorn right like yeah, yeah i mean personally like from an art perspective i like jagged edges you know i like mm-hmm. like in a sculpture you know i mean i love polished but i love the dichotomy of like rough edges that can hurt you you know like ooh, that's that's really cool um and i always kind of use art as a metaphor because i think life and art are so closely related and they do mimic mm-hmm. each other I remember in, so when I was, when I was drawing, um, I had to do a lot of still lifes, right? A lot of nudes because I was like a traditional, like I was going, not graphic design, which I love, but I was like, I want to move a pencil and like draw stuff and I want to sculpt and just be that kind of artist. And I remember we had to do a lot of nudes. So we got a lot of, um, you know, when you're early twenties, you know, guys, there'd be beautiful women that would come in. You had a sketch and you're like, Oh, this is rough. Like, this is like, this is great. Like for a guy, I was like, I get to draw (laughs) a beautiful woman by traditional standards, right? Like a beautiful woman. And then I remember there was this, um, there was a really heavy set black woman that came in and Mm -hmm. I immediately, and she just like took off her clothes and she was all smiles. And I remember thinking like, wow, like here's this person who like by the cultural standards wouldn't be, like quote unquote attractive and mm-hmm. she made the best artwork like her face the way when I would draw her face her face looked so much better than all these other women that I had drawn mm-hmm. and she and I was like in her curves her shapes it was like she makes better art and I remember just being like this is I would have <sighs> never I would have never oh, made the, I I, yeah I would have never made the connection if I hadn't drawn her like th- mm-hmm. there was this thing and I think it's it just points to this larger picture though, right? Like chopping mm-hmm. off the rough edges, the things that we maybe like don't feel good about or that we don't like, it's not as fun. Like I feel like it's, it's not as dynamic and it's not as real. I'm like everyone, I don't care who you are, has got really rough edges somewhere. And the more yeah. you pretend, you, the more you pretend to hide them is like, <laughs> who are you fooling? Like, you know, is, totally. it, is it you? And what, like, why are you a human? Yeah, like, <laughs> right, right. It's, it's like a whole thing. Like, right. And what's really interesting about that to me is seeing, and I've started to see more and more of this is how the new age scene is just a microcosm for yep. the thing that's happening more collectively with humanity, where it's like, you have to be like this. Yeah. This is how you be a proper human. Yeah. Which everything that says that so does not speak to the truth of this full spectrum that we are like we are messy and we're beautiful and we're profound yeah. and we're intense and we're dark and we're deep and we're yeah. we're so much more than these just different like catacombed or like subsectioned <laughs> off yeah prim proper right. parts of ourselves and and that whole thing is what causes all the suffering like the yeah. fact that we feel like we need to be something else than what we innately are so much so that we 
have lost contact with who we are that we need to go to other people to reconnect to it <laughs> you know what i mean like when it's like a very <laughs> yeah i agree and it's a it's an unrealistic expectation right because there's just this simple yeah. truth of people are rough they're rough edged mm-hmm. right like they're they're jagged imperfect and um yeah, the more we can kind of celebrate that, I feel like the better, right? And the, and the larger, it's, it is healthier, I feel like, fundamentally. Beautiful. Yeah, it's way... Sorry, sorry, I don't know if I can say No, 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 not at all. But it's, it's so beautiful. I, like, agree, I agree completely, yeah. And, and, it's, and it is like what you're saying, too. It's like, yes, the, the chiseled version of this ultimate blueprint has beauty, but like the way that alchemy works is not like, let's just fast forward to gold now. Right. You know, like there would right. be no science of alchemy if we all just fast forwarded to gold and the whole art form and science and complexity behind it would be completely lost. All And what comes through that process, all of the ancient secrets, all yeah. of the secrets that get you to that place, all of those aha moments that yep. when you come into contact with the source of your essence or something essential where everything pops and you're like, oh, I see, like I get it this, these noetic kind of right. clicks that you have yes and that's that's that comes through in with the the mess yeah. you know or with the thing that like Fully. is improper or flawed you know and that's it's just such a uh, black white perspective when it misses the point of of beauty and and even like not that it all has to be beautiful it's just learning to see it from a different yeah, lens absolutely and i think that when you think when you see that in other people like when you see that in your patients yeah. when you see that in your partner when you see that in your loved ones like i don't know man something happens in those spaces or things oh, yeah. start to change i i agree drastically com- faster i agree completely and i you know you know kai right my Mm-hmm. Kai. I, I live with Kai all through acupuncture school. He's like one of my best buddies. And really? Oh yeah, yeah. Kai and I are like very close. And uh, he was in, he's one of my groomsmen. Like he's Kai's like yeah, he's like one of my closest <laughs> like amigos. And um Kai and I We love you, Kai. Yeah, yeah, big shout out, Kai. <laughs> You'll be on here soon, so <laughs> I'm gonna get him on. Um but when I was talking to him, when we were living together in acupuncture school, we were together for I th- we lived together for like three years at this really pivotal time in our lives and in the study of this medicine and there was so much bonding because we were doing you know the same thing and we got into this conversation where we both I think when you're studying this kind of thing like Chinese medicine there was this what's the word I want to use there's an idea that you're you're like this Taoist monk who's coming in to, (laughs) to learn the spiritual ways of the Jedi arts and you're like there's kind of an expectation sometimes I think when you come into that kind of stuff where it's like almost like the people in the school are like who's trying to be overly spiritual and is everyone spiritualized here and do I have to fit into this mold there's a, there's kind of a weird thing that happens and Kai and I both talked about it and we neither one of us are like heavy drinkers at all like mm-hmm. it's, substance is, is not an issue for me in my life Kai it's never been either but we both when we were like about to live with each other like so do you do you drink do you like the occasional like, beer like do, do you like like, you drink beer yeah sometimes. like it was like it was just this because i was like because if you don't bro it's probably gonna be a problem you know and he he laughed he's like oh thank god he's like he's like no and i was like so i was like have you ever we got into this really funny conversation i was like have you ever given up like alcohol you know just like totally said you were gonna like not do that or or cannabis or or whatever you know uh, and he was like 
yeah, I've gone through that. And I was like, and what, what did you take? Like, what did you learn from it? Because I have too. And he's like, he's like, I like a little bit of that. You know, he's like, I like a little bit of, of, of I like to drink a little bit of whiskey. I like to get a little rough with my, my, my buddies, my boys. And I was like, me too. It's just this fundamental thing that this thing is quote unquote bad, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and anything can be taken to excess. But we, we got into this place where we're like, like, for us, it was like to be a little rough that way was considerably more fun and enjoyable because it was an acknowledgement of just like, I like it. It's a rough edge okay. thing that I like. And, mm-hmm. and and when we got to that, it really helped us kind of process that piece of us because we're like, I was like, yeah, I want to be the the Chinese medicine guy who likes to drink whiskey on the camping trips with his buddies. Like I, that's, mm-hmm. you know, I was like, if, for me to deny that, I would be so full of shit, you know? I would be so mm. full of shit to be like, that I'm not going to tie one off of my buddies here and there, you know, in, in this. Totally. And, yeah, it, yeah. and it was a, but it was a good realization to kind of get to that place where I'm like, yeah, we've, we've tried that and it's just not the move, you know, for at least, <laughs> at least for us, we're like, we want a little bit of the rough edge. And I really feel like that's, um, it's just so pivotal to like these larger healing processes in general. Cause <laughs> the first, one of the first things you said in this podcast was the, the talking about shame, right? Mm-hmm. When you said mm-hmm. that, it's like, man, shame can wipe you out like dude it's intense it's really intense it has its own agenda with so much will behind it yeah that's what surprises me like the level of our will that is fueled towards and engaged in and invested in hiding Mm -hmm. and then the whole it's it's like the agenda i've been calling it it that sounds really intense and conspiracy theory like but like shame totally has its own agenda yeah and it will warp your whole world and cut you off from parts of yourself and it's so disproportionate, like you're saying. Right. Like, I like to drink beers sometimes. Yeah. Someone could take that and be like, I'm such a horrible person and Fully. I can't tell anyone. And then I'm going to go do it by myself. You know, there's so many things that can domino effect. And it can just build and amplify into this thing that's way more unhealthy than, like, go drink a beer with your friend. You know? <laughs> like, a so, yeah. 100%, you know? Because I've heard that, I've heard those arguments, you know, where they're like, and from spiritual traditions, if you have a, the second you drink alcohol, your vibration is lowered, you know? And I'm like, that might be true. Like, I, you know, I'm like, I'm not here to say that that's not true. It could be true. But I like lowering my vibration sometimes, I think. Like, that's <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm okay with totally. that. Like, I'm okay to, totally. I don't need to be at, you know, 102 frequency number. I'm like, I don't mind going down to 70 sometimes or 50. Like, it's fully okay with me to to like get that and accept that, that I want to drop it. I'm like, yeah, I do want to yeah. slow it down. I want to go get in the mud and I want to be dirty for a little while and then I'll come back up. That's fine. You know, like that's a good place. Um, <laughs> it's a good, it's a good place to be. What have you heard of this? So they talk about this in Chinese medicine, but it's probably other traditions as well, but the emotions that we experience that we go through, they, one of the kind of fundamental approaches, right? Like the way you can look at emotions in the body is they say, treat them like a personality, like a living personality. So mm-hmm. when you interface with shame or anger or uh, joy or, you know, bliss or grief or whatever the thing is, they always say, you have to understand that it's a personality of sorts. And so mm-hmm. if you approach it that way, you have reverence for it. And you're like, okay, is this a personality I want to hang out with? So if shame were a personality, you have to realize that if you spend enough time with it, like that's gonna that personality will bump 
will rub off on you. And I remember thinking like, wow, it's not a separate thing from us that like comes in and out of us. It's like, it's a personality. And when I, Mm. for whatever reason, when I thought of it like that, I thought, boy, you've got to be mindful of who you're hanging out with then. You know, without a doubt, you got to be careful. Like, do I want to hang out with Mr. Grief for forever? Do I want to hang out with Mrs. Shame forever? And um, I think when I thought of it like that, I, I kind of saw them as like social peers, my, my emotions. And it was mm-hmm. like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to hang out with them. Right? We have to hang out with toxic people sometimes. We have to like, that's how we learn. But I don't want to spend all my time with that person, you know, that quote unquote. I love that. Yeah. I haven't, I don't word it like that, but yeah. I do a lot, a lot of the work that I do with my clients and with myself and with my friend, like yeah, yeah, <laughs> with yeah. everything. Yeah. Your clan, um, yeah is really learning how to objectify emotions Mm -hmm. from so just seeing like how much of my identity am I basing off an emotion I'm having first of all can I see that Uh like you're saying like because you have to be able to see it right and then getting to that level of like okay well this is something that is being experienced through me but it's not necessarily me and that process of separation or of objectification um, is very, very similar to what you're talking about. And it's so yeah. crucial and it's so key. And and I think that what's beautiful about that is um, this is one of my biggest irks about the healing path is that like people, and I've fallen into it too, like using your process as a way to stay stuck in your process. Yeah. So like using like, oh, but like I'm feeling this and it's coming from this thing that happened with my mom when I was younger and and then you just keep piling on reasons why you need to keep feeling out of whack or out of alignment with yourself, Mm -hmm. which just amplifies the same thing instead of recognizing and starting to objectify it more. Yeah. You know, and and the power of just seeing, the power of just seeing like, okay, this is here, this is happening. Yep. I'm not going to fight my, and I think here's the tricky part and here's part of the mastery and why it's an art is I'm not going to find my way out of this because that's the first thing that oftentimes will just amplify it. It's like, oh no, I'm feeling shame. Say that again because you you froze for like a second. So say that again. Uh, Um, Just backtrack that sentence and say that sentence again. Did you say you not fight or was? Yeah, I'm not going to fight my way out of this emotion. So whatever the emotion is. Okay. Um, I'm not going to, because my experience has been, and seeing other people in it too, for like 10 years now, is whenever you start to see an emotional state and think, oh, this is bad, this is wrong, this is cutting me off, I need to scramble my way out of it, you're just going to amplify it because you're basically creating fear about the thing you're experiencing Right. And so, and then you're, you're defaulting into something that's saying, I need to get away. I need to get away, which is just going to amplify the thing that you're trying to run away from instead of just more objectively seeing like, okay, I'm, I'm feeling this thing. What am I noticing about the quality? Like, what are the qualities of my energy feel like right now? Do I Mm -hmm. feel heavy? Do I feel light? Do I feel inspired? You know, you start to get this more clear perspective of it. And then yeah, like there's practices that you can do to state change to get out of it, but more from an empowered and integrated place right? and less from a space of like, this thing is wrong and I need to kick it out of my life um, right. or like alienate myself from this emotion. 
And I think that that's, it's really powerful because that's, that's how you develop emotional intelligence is doing the things that you're, you're talking about too. Right. Like, because at a certain level you do get to a place where you have choice you, know, right. you do get to a place where you can practice seeing I'm in, I'm in a certain state. I want to practice being in another right. state, but the pitfall there is if your my experience is the pitfall is if you're naming like putting a name tag on that state as being bad wrong um xyz and you're identifying with it in a certain way yeah. because you shouldn't be feeling it right the shouldn't oh the, the big shouldn't word <laughs> yeah it's difficult i mean it's difficult terrain for people to navigate because i think people Right, the Western culture, we live very much in our thinking minds. We're always thinking and processing, and we're up here. And then there's this bridge of, you know, people don't feel enough sometimes, and sometimes they feel too much. You know, there's, there's mm -hmm. you, you can get kind of hung up, I think, in all the centers. There's, you know, the Chinese has the three Dantians, you know, that your lower center, which is like kinesthetic, your gravitational center, move your body, physically move mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Feel and think, right? So it's like move feel, think, and we have to jump between these <clears throat> and we need all of them. You know, we have to mm -hmm. be, we have to kind of shift those lenses depending on what we're doing. And just as a, just as a, as I think as a way of self-preservation, we can get stuck anywhere, no matter how awesome yeah. or altruistic stuff is. You, yeah. you, yeah. Like you said, right. It just becomes a story and it's like, <clears throat> you've got to move out of that at some point. You have to shift mm -hmm. gears and, and kind of you know, roll forward with life and just put one foot in front of the other. When my dad died when I was um, 19, I, I considered he died um, in April and I was, I took the summer off because we had summer break. And I remember I talked to my mom and I was like, mom, I think I should take a semester off. And she's like, she's like, I've watched you this whole summer, you know, and you've been pretty present with it and processing it and going through it. I hadn't cried yet, but I was still just being with it. And she's like, I think you should go back to school. And I was like, why? She's like, Gray, because if you stop now, you probably will not go back. She's like, just mm. keep the momentum going. Sometimes with life, she's like, keep the ball rolling. Even if she's like, I don't care if your grades tank, just keep going. Like, just keep the, keep the momentum. And it was one of the best things she could have said to me because it, she was right. I remember I went back and I thought, it's good that I'm just moving forward and not overthinking this. You know, I'm just kind of staying. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, and it was also good to hear that she's like, if your grades tank, it's fine. She was like, I just want you to keep moving. Don't just stop. Mm. And I thought mm. that was that was good advice. And she was right. And it, it worked out. You know, it all kind of like evolved and, and went down that way. Well, Iska, let me ask you this, because we have we have to kind of wrap wrap time here. But in the vein of what we've some of the threads we've talked about, where we're saying making these things, you know, um, health, healing, people's processing their life, <laughs> making it accessible and digestible for the people listening. If you were to say to people who have never thought about this stuff. They haven't thought about <laughs> their subconscious programming, the things they've gone through, the, the past mm -hmm. experiences who are not maybe natural feelers, right? Feeling um, into their lives. What do you think is, what would be like one of the most accessible down to earth things that you could tell people to to do? Or, or like what would be one of the accessible things that people, if they wanna start moving through their life and processing some of their, what's under the hood as you said, What's one of the like basic um, accessible ways that people can do that to get this collective process in motion? If they want to go down this road. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's such a good question. Well, 
I mean, and it sounds so cliche. I think the question was so heavy that it actually froze. <laughs> As I asked the question, oh, it's that's hilarious. <laughs> so people listening, I asked that question and it made Skype stop. <laughs> so we'll uh, we'll wait for Isa to come back here. But it is a good question because I think probably there's a, a bunch of you listening to this and wondering. So, are you back, Iska? Okay, I was just I was yeah. just covering airtime, and I said I said the question was so heavy. The question was so heavy that it actually yeah. stopped Skype. <laughs> oh, which is hilarious. Um, yeah, yeah. So okay, so go ahead and start over. So I was hearing you say that. Yeah. So go ahead and start your answer again because pretty much as soon as you closed your eyes. It was like everything froze and just brought back. Uh, <laughs> so that's hilarious. Um, okay, so keep my eyes open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't go too deep. You're gonna make <laughs> Skype crash. Um, yeah. So, so yeah. Just restart your answer back to you know the digestible, accessible thing that people can do. Um, yeah, basically for the lay person, right? The, the lay Western person, like what can they do to start this larger, yeah, this larger mechanism. Yeah, I mean, I think and like what I was saying was it might sound cliche, um, but learn to get to know yourself as you are. Like become curious about the fact that maybe you don't know, like maybe things about you are right in front of you and you've never just experienced them directly from from just being with yourself. You know, start start to recognize how many ways you think you should be or you need to be whatever it is for other people's validation, acceptance. You know, what are you afraid of people seeing about you? Um, what does no one know about you that you know or that you've even hidden so deep that you barely remember about yourself? Mm-hmm. Um, how can you become curious about who you are and then can you do that in a way where that curiosity is from a place of innocence that curiosity is from a place of just wanting to discover without having to fix anything without having to change anything um and from there i think there's so much richness that you can find about the nature of of your being like just the general curiosity of of who you are how you how you operate um, beyond what you identify with, I think can be really big and, and asking little, like, I mean, big questions, but they're, they're quite simple. Well, like, Oh, we lost you again. The big questions. Oh, Oh, there we go. You're back. Yeah. As soon as you said big questions. Yeah, you're here. I mean, I can hear you. Your your screen is frozen, but I can still hear you. As soon as you said, yeah, ask yourself the big questions, and then that made Skype crash again. But there we go. You're back. Okay, yeah. As soon as you said the big, you're like, you're like the big questions. Skype froze again. So yeah, what were some of those? What were some of those? What were those? What were some of those big questions that you were saying that people might want to consider? Like what? What do I identify with mm. versus like what do I not know about myself? Yeah. 